The scripture reading for today comes from the book of John, chapter 21, verses 1 through 7, and then 15 through 19. Today we're actually going to do scripture reading a little bit differently uh, than we're used to. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to do it responsively, okay? And we're going to have slides up for you with the reader part and the congregation part. If you guys can read the congregation part after I read uh, the reader part, okay? It's pretty simple. Uh, so here we go. Here now God's word. After Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee, it happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. When they had finished eating, this is verse 15, uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Amen. You guys did pretty good. Not bad. Um, Good morning. Uh, everyone, my name is Key. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. Welcome to New Mercy and especially welcome uh, to 2016. It's really great uh, that all of you uh, were able to make it today. I think this is actually the most we've ever fit in, in one room. Uh, I especially want to welcome the children of New Mercy to service today. You know, uh, one of the things that we know about Jesus is that he loves children, Right? In the Bible, it says that Jesus always welcomed and embraced children. And no matter how tired he was or or how how many people wanted his attention, he always made time for children. And so for all the younger brothers and sisters uh, in this room, for all all the children, all the kids, I want you to know, despite what Pastor John said before, I want you to know that you being here makes our service that much more special. Okay, because Jesus thinks you're special. Okay? In fact, I believe God is actually smiling down on us right now as he sees all of you in this room. Because again, if, you know any, if I know anything about God, I know that he loves children. So kids, your presence here really is a blessing to us. Uh, you know, I'm not sure if you guys know this, those of you who understand what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, 
But your parents, uh, they, they talk about you to other adults. Okay? They talk about you all the time. You know, and I know it seems like your parents are always telling you to do things or, or not to do things, but they're only doing that because they love you. And let me tell you something. When they talk about you, okay, the love and the pride that I see in your parents' eyes uh, is very easy to see how much of a blessing they think you are. That's why parents are always posting you know, stuff about you on like Facebook and Instagram. At least that's what I do. Okay? And so when we're able to, to worship with you sitting next to us as a family, it really is something that brings us a lot of joy. And our hope is that as we grow, continue to grow as a church, we can do things like this more and more as one body. Okay, children, welcome. Uh, regarding everybody in this room, it's really great to see everybody. Okay, uh, we only, like Pastor John said, we only do a joint service like this once or twice a year, but every time we do it, we always have a lot of fun, uh, and, and I hope today's no different. Uh, I mean, just seeing, literally seeing everybody in one place, old faces, and actually there's a lot of new faces today, worshiping God, right, and starting off the new year together, this really, at least for me, uh, is always such an encouraging time. You know, I don't know if uh, everybody realizes this, right? But just to have a community like this, it really isn't something that you should take for granted. You know, um, not many people have community like this, okay? Even people in the U.S. And so when that truth actually hits me, and I remember that I have brothers and sisters that I can pray with, right, that I can laugh with, that that I can eat pho with, or peck peck chicken, right, that I can worship with. And that I can cry with. I've cried in front of you guys, in front of the pastors. That I can serve with. That I can do life together with. That I can complain with. I complain a lot. Right? That I can geek out over spiritual things or sci-fi things or Star Wars. Right? If you've lived in this world, you know there aren't many communities in which you can do all of this. I mean, I imagine what life would be like without you. And I don't like that life. And that life is actually pretty depressing to me. So really, I'm so thankful, and I really mean this from the bottom of my heart, I'm so thankful to have all of you uh, in my life. And my hope and prayer for 2016 is that you would experience more of these aspects of this community in your life. You know, the Bible says that God is in the community, right? And so if you want to experience more of God... You need to dive more into community. This whole modern idea that spirituality can be your own and just by yourself, you can be isolated, that's not true. That's not what the Bible teaches. Okay? And so I would hope, and I hope you would do more of this community stuff in 2016. I know it's not always easy. I know that. Okay, I'm an introvert. Right? People being around people makes me crazy sometimes, right? I want to crawl into a cave. But I know it's not always easy. You know, and all communities have flaws and margins to where people are pushed out, right? But whether it's to bring change to the community, to try to eliminate those margins, or to invest in the community, or simply to give the community a chance, I hope 2016 will be a year where deeper and more relationships are being forged in our church. Okay? The more you invest, the more you will get out of it. The more you invest, the more you'll get out of it. Now, someone says, no, 
the more you invest, the more you get hurt. Well, yes, that's true to a certain degree. But here's the thing. What's the alternative to investment? Okay, well, C.S. Lewis tells us what the alternative is. If we can throw our first quote up there. No, that's not it. Okay, let me read to you. Okay, uh, this was, I think, in our document, but maybe they missed it. There is no safe investment. This is C.S. Lewis talking, okay? To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to make sure of keeping your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it carefully round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in the casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. Okay, that is the alternative to not investing. When you disengage from community, you are going down this road that C.S. Lewis talks about. You know, I've been, uh, I've been hurt at New Mercy, uh, and I've also hurt people at New Mercy. Okay? But in all the messiness of the relationships in the church, as C.S. Lewis says in another place in one of his books, he says, I have, I have found that community... Love and community is worth it. As I've wrestled through my, my hurts and my mistakes, I've come to learn what love really requires. Right? It requires far more than what we typically do on Sundays. Right? It requires far more than being chummy and smiling at each other on Sundays. It requires patience. Right? It requires understanding. It requires empathy. It requires deliberately trying to think what it's like to be in someone else's shoes. Community requires things like this, love and community. It requires getting frustrated at each other. You know, if you think you're getting frustrated in community, you're like, oh, community's not for me. That's not true. Community involves those things. Conflict in community. Community involves communication, forgiveness, reconciliation, introspection, time, investment, eating meals together, sharing, and so on. As I've wrestled with this, this is what I I learned that love really requires in community. Brothers and sisters, what does Jesus teach us in the Gospels? Most of the stuff he teaches is pretty simple. What does he teach us in the Gospels? He teaches us to love. And to truly love any type of community requires engagement and investment like this, like what I was talking about. What I found is that uh, the more I invest, the more I'm able to experience a richer and deeper love in the community. The more I invest, as I've wrestled to love, as the gospel teaches, okay, you know, as I've done that, I've learned aspects of love. I've learned aspects of myself, aspects of others, the different types of layers that deep relationships have. If I didn't invest in relationships, I would never have learned that there's all these layers that relationships require if you're going to love. 
I learn things that have made me wiser in my relationships with God and others. These types of things don't come from disengagement and being safe. They come from investment. Yes, I've been hurt. Okay, some of you have been hurt, right? But what does Jesus say about being hurt? What does he say? Does he say, when you're hurt, disengage? Does he say that? No, he says, love even more intensely. That's what he says when he says, love your enemies. You know, when somebody does something to you, an enemy, that's, very, that's reason to disengage. But he says, love your enemies. Engage even more. You know, when I'm hurt, that's the last thing I want to do. Okay? But over and over, I found that in a gospel community, okay, when I continue, instead of disengaging, when I continue to walk with those who hurt me and with those whom I've hurt, I see the gospel come alive, and I learn what being a disciple is really about. It's about love, learning to love others. And, I, and, and as I learn that, I see my relationships grow and my faith grow in ways I could not have seen if I disengaged. If you want easy community, then new mercy is not for you. Okay? In a church for the broken, nothing will come easy. But as you, as you work with and wrestle with people and with God to realize more and more the gospel in the church, you will experience love and you will learn love. You know, uh, with all of my heart, uh, even with all the blemishes that I just alluded to that New Mercy has, I believe God really loves this body. Okay? And I believe he has big plans for us. I really do. I believe God has big plans for New Mercy, not because New Mercy is necessarily more special in any way. We're not. God loves all of his churches. But the reason why I believe God has big plans for us is because that's what the Bible teaches God has for all faithful churches. The Bible teaches that the church is God's vessel through which he accomplishes his kingdom-building work on earth. It's through churches that he does that. God has no plan B. Okay, the church is his only plan on earth to bring his kingdom. And we are part of that plan as new mercy. And that means he has plans for us. Plans that will affect the trajectory of history and be etched into the very fabric of eternity. What we do here through this church has lasting eternal value. So I hope you guys are excited for what God has in store for 2016. I really do. Okay, this is another year that God will do his work through us. I mean, if there's anything that gets me excited, it's that. It's like God has given us this new gift, this new present to unwrap at the beginning of 2016. And we get to spend the rest of this year unwrapping and seeing all the things that he has in store for us. And knowing the good, good Father that we have, we can be sure that 2016 will be a year marked with his faithfulness. And so I'm excited, and I hope you guys are as well. Now, my job today is uh, to briefly introduce to you, getting close to the end, don't worry. My job today is to briefly introduce to you our theme for 2016. We'll spend 
the rest of the year talking about our new theme, uh, but today we just want to give you a snapshot of what we're aiming for. Now, the vision for New Mercy never changes. The vision for New Mercy is to be a church for the broken, but each year what we do is we pick themes that we want to focus on within that greater vision, okay? So if you look on the banner, if you guys can throw the banner up, this is our theme, okay? It's here I am living out God's call. It's on your pens, Okay, and if you see, there's we have different versions, right? And uh, these particular uh, slides, what we did was we made a media pack, so you can actually use this as your wallpaper. They're very, very high resolution. Uh, you can pick the ones that you like, and we'll be using them throughout the year. Uh, and there will be a link on the website, I believe, where you can download uh, these things. Now, you know, personally for me, this is actually you know some of you who've been in the church, you're like, oh, it's kind of nice. Right? But, you know, this is actually a really powerful theme for me. Okay? It's something that if you think about it right, and you understand it, it's something that's always profoundly relevant to our Christian lives, even on a daily basis. And let me give you a little glimpse of how that's true. You know, all of us in here, we are collectively children of God. Right? We are all collectively God's children. And as His children, we are called as His disciples. Okay, being a child of God means you are a disciple of God. They are one and the same. Okay, and that means all of us in here have a calling in our lives to live as disciples. Okay, and this is relevant every single day of our lives. You know, Christians, when you wake up in the morning, okay, you should be waking up with a sense of calling in your lives. And I'm not saying, you know, you have to wake up with this, I'm going to conquer the world for God attitude. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm saying is, do we wake up asking ourselves this question? And the question is, how can I, this day, live faithfully for God? How can I, this day, live faithfully for God? I know for me, when I wake up in the morning, I actually think to myself, okay, what is my life about? You know, how do I make this day more about God? How do I do God's will today in my family, at work, at church, in the world, on social media, and so on? When I go to my staff meetings, I, I go, before I go to the staff meetings, I'm like, God, you know, help me to be more faithful at the staff meeting, be encouraging, not be so irritable all the time, right? And, you know, I'm not saying this as a boast by any means because, first of all, often I don't succeed in following through. You can ask my wife, okay, I, I don't always follow through, okay? But the other reason this is not a boast is because often I ask those questions out of necessity, okay? Not because I'm strong or somehow more disciplined. No, often I ask those questions because honestly, the alternative to me is so much worse. Now, what is the alternative? You guys are probably asking, what's the alternative? Think about it. What's the alternative to living a purposeful and meaningful life? What is it? Okay? It's living a purposeless and meaningless life. It's living day to day like a machine without purpose. That's the alternative, and frankly, that's not palatable to me. You know, the atheistic worldview, okay, says the world has no ultimate meaning. That's what they believe. Okay? Atheistic worldview says the world has no ultimate meaning. If, as a Christian, 
I don't ask myself those questions that I just mentioned before. You know, what is my life about? How do I live faithfully? If I just live day to day as an organism that's just living and surviving, that's not something I'm strong enough to do. I can't live life like that, waking up with no purpose. I'm not strong enough to live a meaningless life like an atheist. But brothers and sisters, if you're a Christian living like this, just kind of day to day, just kind of droning along, then you're living as a practical atheist, not as a disciple called by God. Honestly, the only way I know how to live life is if life has a purpose and meaning. That's the only way we can live with true joy and fullness, right? If we're living without meaning and purpose and calling, then life becomes mechanical and automated with the occasional cheap thrill. And that's it. True, lasting joy and fullness cannot be experienced in a life like that. This is why books like, you know, The Purpose Driven Life and the Bible are so popular. They're bestsellers. And they're bestsellers because that's what every person is fundamentally looking for at the bottom of their lives. Do I exist for a purpose? Is there meaning to my existence? In fact, this is why books, I would argue, are popular, period. Because books, and basically anything with a story, movies and things like that, books, whether, whether, you know, whether they're nonfiction or fiction, we use them, and be, you're, be honest with me, okay? Don't we often use them to distract ourselves from a purposeless life? From a sense of purposelessness? Okay, or, or, or we use these things uh, in our lives, uh, or we, 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 you know, we, dive, we kind of go into these things and we, we read books and things like that in our lives because they come closest to the drama we're looking for in our lives. You know, why do we watch Korean dramas? Why do we watch K-pop life? Or whatever, what is that? K-pop? Star. You can tell I don't watch it, okay? Okay, why do we watch Star Wars? Because we're looking for story in our lives. Look, I, I, you know, I can go on and on about this for a long time, but, but you guys get what I'm saying, right? In one form or another, we long for and we search for meaning. So Christians, let me ask you, right? When you look at your life right now, are you living a life of purpose and meaning? Or more specifically, are you living... As a disciple, are you living out God's call in your life? That's the only thing that gives your life ultimate meaning because if it, if it is not of God, it will not last. Now, look, I'm not here to make you feel guilty, okay? That's the last thing I want to do today, okay? What I want you to know through today's story with Peter and Jesus is that it's never too late to start again. To follow God's call. Okay, you just have to come back and say, here I am. Make my life one that is filled with your purpose. I mean, that's exactly what Peter is doing in today's text. Look at him. Peter, you guys know Peter, right? He walked with Jesus. He ate with him. He laughed with him. He learned under him for three years. Three years they spent every moment together intimately coming to know one another and to love one another. And you all know the story, right? When Jesus needed him most, 
Peter, to protect himself, to save himself, denies even knowing him. Three times. Three times Peter betrays his beloved Jesus. Now yet, when Peter comes back, what does Jesus say? Does Jesus go, no, you deny me. And walk away? Is that what Jesus did? No, he says, feed my lambs. Jesus' call in Peter's life continues without interruption. The call in Peter's life picks up right where it left off. All Peter had to do was come back. Now you're like, you know, why does he ask Peter if he loves him? Well, Jesus, look, Jesus already knows that Peter loves him. But Jesus is doing it for Peter's sake. Peter denied him three times and Jesus is saying, Peter, say it three times because I know it's true. Okay, Jesus already knows. He's helping Peter to know. Okay, there's deep psychology here. I can, I did a whole other sermon on that before, but I won't get into that. You know, some of you in here, you might think, I've done too many bad things. I'm too insecure. I've tried too many times to become a better Christian. I have a terrible personality. I'm always irritable, right? I'm whatever, okay? You guys think that that disqualifies you. But God says to you, feed my lambs. If you see the people that Jesus calls in the Bible, they're not nice people all the time. Some of them are very abrasive, like the Apostle Paul. Okay? If you come back, that's where you're going to hear from God. Feed my lambs. God isn't like, okay, you repented once before. I'm not going to take your repentance anymore. God's not like that. Does Jesus you see on the cross strike you as someone like that? I mean, Jesus himself says to Peter, right? If someone wrongs you, Peter, and asks you for forgiveness, even 70 times, seven times, meaning infinitely, right? You are to forgive him every single time. Now, why would Jesus not hold himself to that same standard? Why would he tell Peter to do this and not do this himself when you come back to him for forgiveness? In fact, if you know the Bible, you know that repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is something that Christians are doing all the time. Why? Because we're always screwing up. Okay? We're always betraying Jesus in one form or another. Every single day, we're all Peter. Every single one of us, we're all Peter every single day. You know, even after this, this scene, though, right, Peter messes up as an apostle. This wasn't just the only time Peter messed up, but he messed up later as an apostle. And he comes back. And he continues. Mark One of the uh, disciples of one of the apostles, he messes up, and he comes back. Believers mess up in the New Testament, and Paul, in his letters, beseeches them, come back. Why? Because God is a God who forgives, no matter how many times we come back. And each and every time, he wants to put us back on track, like a good father. So this year in 2016, we want this year to be a year where you come back to Jesus. Okay, don't be like Judas Iscariot. Right? You, know, you know why Judas didn't receive forgiveness after betraying Jesus? Because he never came back. He didn't come back. But Peter came back. Peter came back because he knew he had nowhere else to turn. I mean, honestly, brothers and sisters, if you guys are looking you know, at other things for meaning and stuff like that, really? 
you're going to turn to those things? Who else, who else can give you the meaning of life? Who else is God? Brothers and sisters, there is no one else that we can turn to. Now, for those of you who feel like, you know, you've never left, you're like, you know, I've, I've actually been walking with God. Uh, my bet is that you haven't been living out your calling as much as you should have. And this year for you is about living out your calling even more faithfully. You know, every day, for even the most faithful Christians, every day, for even the most faithful Christians, the declaration is still the same. Here I am, Lord. Use me again. Help me this day to live out your call in my life again. This year as disciples, week in and week out, we want each of the believers in New Mercy to say, here I am, Lord. I'm back. I'm not perfect. I've betrayed you. I've sinned. I've stumbled. But here I am. I want to live out your call in my life. Children of God, will you live out God's call in your life this year? Will you? Okay, the opportunity to start again is now for both groups, those who've been away and those who've been here. Okay, the Christian life is not just one and done. Okay, yes, Jesus dying for us is one and done. We are forever his children because of that one act, and that one act is what gives us power and hope. Okay, but us becoming more like him takes daily work. Each day, you get up again and again, sometimes multiple times a day. Peter stumbled. And he stumbles again later, but he gets back up. This year, brothers and sisters, let's get back up each day and live out God's call in our lives. Okay, we want 2016 to be a year where we evaluate and think about our calling and purpose in our lives in a new and serious and more deliberate way. We want 2016 to be a year where we are children of God saying, here I am, Lord. I want to live out my call. Lord, how do you want me to live? How do you want, wh- what do you want from me? What do you want me to do? That's what 2016 at New Mercy is going to be about. Here I am living out God's call. Let us pray.